0: them on the money line and then roll it over every single time they win way out of here oh goodness
1: the last seven games in which they've come in with rest have all gone under plus 115 the price i pay for this yeah, I like it
0: makes the catch at the 10 and he's in for a touchdown this is behind the bets the podcast Welcome into the latest Behind the Bets podcast. We are taping this on Friday, May 21st. We have 15 of the 16 playoff teams already in, but we have one more play-in game tonight. I do like the Warriors, by the way. Minus four, four and a half is where the market is right now. I gave it out as a best bet at three and a half on Thursday night's Daily Wager. But up next, we're talking about the postseason with Tim Bontemps. You may remember he was here on the podcast discussing postseason awards. He did the straw poll. We were all highly recommending Jokic, Wagers, and then also some of the others were like Rudy Gobert, Defensive Player of the Year, and uh, LaMelo Ball. He was plus money at the time, and Tim uh, highly recommended it as well and said he would be coming back, and sure enough, uh, LaMelo was like minus 800 at last check, or maybe 600. But Tim's got a lot of good insight, talks to some people around the league, really wide open. Uh, There's been great historical nuggets in terms of the postseason and what exactly – kind of where we see just in terms of how wide open it is, the one seeds in each conference have lofty odds. Something we have not seen ever in ESPN's database, which is three decades, three plus decades. So there's a lot of intriguing potential series and paths to a title. And with all this uncertainty surrounding injury. So Tim's going to help me break it down. I have a handful of plays throughout the pod, whether there'd be series prices or some minus two and a half games and things like that. And then even a game one, I like this weekend as well. So, Fun convo, sit back, enjoy. Thanks to Tim for joining me. It should be uh, really fun to unpack what should be an exciting postseason. Money won is twice as sweet as money earned. Time now to welcome in a gentleman you have heard here on the Behind the Bets podcast talking about postseason awards betting and obviously gave us a lot of great insight. But let's turn the page and look into the NBA postseason as we welcome in Tim Bonteps. Tim, how are you, bud? Doug, doing really well, man. How are you? Good. Good. Thanks. I appreciated uh, all your insight and your uh, astute uh, advice for everyone listening. The last time we got on the pod, pretty much everything's come to fruition. We'll see what happens with the six man of the year and coach of the year. But other than that, everything looks pretty good if the betting market is any indication. But I want to talk postseason. And obviously you are a man that's well connected in the NBA. You are at games. I've called you during games. and You've been <laughs> gracious enough to <laughs> take phone calls and things like that. So. Uh, I think it's best for our listeners to kind of glean the wisdom and not just myself. And we're just going to rip through a lot of these series and go through um, some of them as we as some of the people can kind of, again, glean some wisdom and maybe apply what they like. And, you know, we're just going to talk a little betting and a little uh, hoops right now. How does that sound? Sounds awesome, buddy. Let's do it. All right, cool. Let's. I want to start with. Uh, I want to bounce around, not just go Western Conference first, Eastern Conference. I want to go to the kind of the more intriguing matchups. I want to start with Hawks Knicks. This New York team has been kind of dismissed, if you will, all season. They are the best against the spread all year, and historically great. They're almost like the best all time, or second best all time, I should say. But the Hawks team is so different than the one that we saw maybe like the first half of the season. They had a bunch of injuries. People are healthy now. Their shooters are all healthy. And I think Trey Young is playing more within himself and and not forcing too many shots. And that's just made them that much better of a team. How do you see this series playing out?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, part of the reason that Trey was forcing things a little bit early in the year is that the Hawks had a billion injuries, right? uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich missed basically the entire first half of the season. Not coincidentally, he's come back in the lineup and they've looked much better. Uh, you know, they had, uh, Deandre Hunter has missed a large chunk of the season. He has been, he has taken a really big step forward for them this year. And I think is a really critical piece going into this series. If his knee is okay, trying to match up with Julius Randle, who had a lot of success against, uh, the Hawks during the regular season. And the Hawks don't really have another guy that makes sense to guard him. Um, so a, a healthy Hawks team is a team that I thought had a chance to be in the four or five matchup. And at the start of the season, I thought they were really deep, thought they were talented thought they had a chance to be a really good offense. And I really like the fit of Clint Capella. And he's frankly been even better than I could have imagined in the best case scenario for the Hawks. So um, I do like them to beat the Knicks. I think they're a more talented team. Obviously the Knicks having home court uh, is certainly going to help them. And they're going to play really hard on defense, which does tend to carry over in the playoffs. And as we've seen, even in these play-in tournament games, right, that has carried over into the playoffs where if you can guard, you've, you're going to give yourself a chance to win. So I think it will be a long series. I certainly won't be surprised if the Knicks win, but I do like Atlanta um, behind Trey Young and and behind their overall depth of talent, I think being a little better um, to edge out, what should be, in my opinion, one of the more entertaining series of the first round.
0: Yeah, it's a fascinating matchup of styles. I had this theory about the Spurs, and I wonder if it applies to the Knicks this particular season. I always said San Antonio's kind of edge was more pronounced in the regular season. Popovich wouldn't stand for kind of rollover games he'd call timeouts quickly and demand the best the bench you just kind of knew what you were going to get and maximum effort yep. all the time with the spurs yeah we got yep. that with the knicks right like that was some of their edge that they just handled teams that kind of maybe were on long road trips or whatever and they're good obviously randall is great he's gonna be all nba but i just wonder once other teams sort of play to a similar effort and intensity that yep. the knicks won't be as good i'm just curious it's kind of like a working theory I,
1: I, think it's a, I think it's a good theory. And, and look, part of the reason that those Spurs teams were so successful for such a long time was they were good no matter who was on the court, right? To your point, like they would go 9, 10, 11 guys deep, and they could sit a couple of their star players. And during the regular season, their system would pick them up a lot of wins, right? And to your point, when you get in the playoffs and you tighten that rotation down a little bit, um, your depth becomes less of a, uh, a benefit to you and we've we've consistently seen teams that are deep and really solid to good players but don't have that elite talent they've tended to struggle in the playoffs and frankly we've seen some of Tom Thibodeau's teams kind of fit that hold I mean this Knicks team really reminds me of a couple teams that I covered back in the the early part of the last decade the the 2013 uh, Chicago Bulls and the 2014 Chicago Bulls teams that you know really ground their way into the playoffs behind Joaquin Noah and some elite defensive teams that kind of ground out enough points to win. And, you know, this team is basically Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett and a lot of guys playing really hard on defense and grinding out wins, right? And they've, I I think to your point, Tibbs has maximized this roster and they've done a phenomenal job. Um, But if you just go guy for guy in the series, I think Atlanta is the more talented team. And generally in the playoffs, if you take the more talented team, you're you're usually going to look pretty good in the end.
0: Is Alfred Payton going
1: to get the same amount of minutes? I mean, the same amount of minutes in, like, the first six of each half? and Yeah, and, and yeah. Each sits. I mean, I would guess probably. I mean, again, <laughs> that's one of those things that Tom tends to do. Uh, and coaches tend to do, frankly, not even just him. Like, a lot of guys like to kind of keep their rotations the same. And, you know, Derek Rose has been so good coming off the bench, I could see them just rolling with that. Um, and, look, Alfred Payton is also an interesting guy to throw at Trey Young. You know, these playoffs are going to be really one of the Trey Young is one of the most interesting guys for people around the league. Trey Young is one of the most interesting guys to watch going into these playoffs because he has been a guy that for a couple years now, as the Hawks have slowly started to ascend and have gotten closer to being this level of team. And now obviously are in the playoffs for the first time in his career, in his third season. Trey is a guy that a lot of people around the league are really curious to see what he'll look like in the playoffs. And I'm one of them. You know, he is a guy that during the regular season, he really does an unbelievable job at drawing fouls and creating contact and getting, you know, finding creative ways to get to the foul line. And while some people look down on that, I don't at all. I, I think whatever way you can get free throws, like good for you, and take advantage of the rules that are there. That being said, what do we consistently see? In the playoffs, things are more physical. The games are called tighter. There's not as many fouls, right? Right. So if you're if you're Trey Young, who's a small, slender guy, and a lot of your, not a lot, I shouldn't say a lot. It's not like his entire game is, is, is predicated on drawing fouls, but it's a big part of his offensive repertoire, right? Is to get to the line and get teams in foul trouble and um, create free points. I would cause he's a great free throw shooter. If that gets diminished greatly in the playoffs, that could, that could really have an impact on his game. So um, I am curious to see how Trey looks and look, Alfred Payton's an excellent defensive point guard and he's six, four and long and athletic and, He's a really good guy to throw at Trey. So while his offense isn't great, um, you know, he is. It, he can give them some minutes at the point, and they've got Frank Milikina to throw at Trey. Um, they've got a couple guys with some length that they can throw at him, and I, I'll be curious to see, um, you know, exactly how Tibbs goes about trying to slow Trey down and, and again, how Trey handles his first trip to the postseason.
0: You know, it's funny. I, I did it. I was laughing when I asked you because I know Knicks fans are just can't take it anymore. They're just ready. to. <laughs> it's like the cartoon with the, like the, the red face and the smoke coming out of the ears. Uh, but I, it's just cause I had the dark, the Knicks fans should be happy
1: it. that their team, the Knicks fans should be happy. Their team is in the playoffs for the first yes. time in
0: eight years. And it's, and it's had an
1: unbelievable season and is on the upswing. They shouldn't be worried about any of that stuff, but we know fans, uh, we know fan is short for a fanatic for a reason.
0: So yeah, exactly. But for sure, the Knicks. Factor in. I, I said this. I don't want the Knicks season to end. It's been a remarkable run. Let's go to the other sort of coin flip series out west. Blazers Nuggets. Obviously, we know the Jamal Murray situation. Blazers now slight favorites, even though they are the lower seed and do not have home court. I like Portland in this series a lot. I even like them exactly in six games for a little sprinkle at four to one odds. I, I just think the Nuggets. Obviously, the Aaron Gordon was the perfect fit. Murray injury is stinks. It's terrible. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. has been evolving quite nicely as a shooter and just a scorer in general. And they're going to put yep. up a fight, but I, I just like the Blazers just too much offense now that they've weathered the store, sort of those injuries to Nurk and McCollum.
1: Yeah, they. I think Denver might very well may have won the title if Jamal Murray was healthy. Really, it, it's just wow. such a. I, yeah, I mean, look, they have they have destroyed teams since they made this Aaron Gordon trade, and Jamal Murray's barely played with those guys, right? Like, I think. I want to say Michael Porter's plus-minus or uh, is is net rating since then is like plus eleven or something. The last couple of months, I mean, they have been awesome, and people thought they were going to take a huge dip. I mean, remember the last time we I was on the pod, we were talking about Nikola Jokic in the wake of the straw poll um, being MVP, and you were not you were not alone in saying, "Well, is Denver going to fall off here down the stretch without
0: Jamal Murray? Is this going to?" Yeah, I was worried um, about the four seed, and they get the three seed.
1: Right. I mean, they they've been awesome, and like they have not been. I mean, they won some games against bad teams, but they went and beat the Clippers on the road. I mean, they they went and won some big time games without Jamal Murray. So I think they're very good. Um, That being said, Denver has a million guards out. We don't know the status of PJ Dozier. We don't know the status of uh, Will Barton. We don't. Obviously, Jamal is out. Um, You know, Monty Morris has been dealing with uh, some injury stuff for the past couple months, off and on. I think he'll be good to go, but. If there's one team you don't want to have guards out for going into the series, <laughs> it's Portland, right? Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum are two explosive guards who've had huge playoff performances time and again and, and are very comfortable with this stage and are used to playing on it. That being said, even though Denver or Portland has upgraded in the front court, they don't really have the bodies to stop Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter Jr. and Nicole Jokic, right? Um, so it's, it's a pretty fascinating contrast in styles. If you go back a couple of years ago, these two teams had an unbelievable series. Uh, had that one four yeah, triple overtime playoff or something, game,
0: yeah,
1: uh, which is truly one of the craziest games uh, ever. I was at the Garden. I, I think there was. A, I think it was the Celtics. Uh, I think it was one of the Celtics Bucks games a couple of years ago, and I remember coming back and just watching. We were all watching that entire game in the uh, the press room after interviews were done because it was just it was just wild. Jokic played I think sixty seven minutes in that game or something crazy. I mean, it was just a unbelievable game. But, um, so yeah, I, I think if you're going to pick Portland, I think it makes sense to pick them in six. Um, like you said, generally if if the underdog team wins, they're not going to win game seven, right? Even with less fans, you know, if you look over the course of time, the home team wins game seven, about 80% of the time. So if if it's a coin flip series and you like Portland, I think it's smart to pick them in six. Um, I really don't have a great feel for how it's going to go. I think you can make a compelling case either way and sort of like Atlanta, New York, I think it's going to be a fascinating series that um, I'm really curious to see how it shakes out. And look, this is not really a, a betting angle, but from a big-picture NBA standpoint, both these teams are kind of at a crossroads. You know, you have Denver. Um, you know, Jamal Murray is going to be out most of next year. Aaron Gordon has one year left on his contract. If this team can't get out of the first round against Portland, does that make them reconsider? You know, Do they want to extend Aaron Gordon? Do they try to move on from him and try to turn him into some other longer-term assets? after trading for him at the deadline, thinking he'd be kind of the final piece of the puzzle there. Um, And then for Portland, I mean, there's been all kinds of speculation about what their future will look like. If if they win this series, you know, especially if Phoenix beats the Lakers, all of a sudden they have maybe a path to the conference finals again that didn't seem possible a couple weeks ago. And if they lose, you know, who knows what's going to happen the other way. So for two teams that have been, you know, in the middle of the pack or, or above it in the Western Conference for a while, this is a big series on a lot of levels and should be really long and fun. And I'm very excited to watch it.
0: No, I am right there with you. I uh, I really like both teams too. I mean, I love I have like a man crush on Dame and have had for a while, but I still love Jokic and the Nuggets. And there's just a lot to like with a lot of these teams, other than like being a Lakers fan and having some rivals here and there. I like all these teams. It's I'll, a fascinating. I'll tell you what man? Yeah,
1: I'll tell you. Uh, no, just to, just to piggyback on that, I think these playoffs are going to be awesome. Like they assuming are. everybody's healthy, if you look at these first round series, like. Look, obviously, from a a business standpoint, the league would love to have Golden State win tonight. But even if John Morant gets in the playoffs and you have John Morant uh, going up against, you know, Mike Conley and his old team in the first round, like, I'm excited to watch every single one of these series, legitimately. Like, there's not one dud series. Even, you know, even the the two series in the East where they should be pretty short, Nets, Celtics, and uh, Wizards, Sixers, you still have, you know Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal going up against the Sixers. You have all, you know all the Russell Westbrook, Joel Embiid history. Um, Bradley Beal scored sixty uh, on on the Sixers earlier this year when everybody was healthy, including uh, you know leading defensive player of the year candidate Ben Simmons. Uh, and obviously Kyrie Irving hasn't played in Boston with fans since he right. left. So like there, that whole element of this is going to be really interesting too. So I, I think this first round has got a chance to have a bunch of really interesting, compelling series. I, I'm really. Really excited for it. I think it's going to be really good.
0: No, I'm right there with you. And I think so much of the compelling component is just how wide open the Western Conference is because of injuries, right? Yes. So you have the Lakers yes. that opened minus three dollars is bet down to minus 150 now. They're the first seven seed or even eight-seed to be favored in the first round in our database, which is thirty plus oh, that's, years.
1: That's interesting. I don't mean to cut you off, but that's so so a lot of money has come in on Phoenix.
0: That's Early, just when did they open $3? It's weird because So as you know, and some of our listeners know, is that all the like the futures book is liability, right? So like the Nets took a lot of money. They're the favorites. The Lakers are two to one favorites to win the West, even though they're the seventh seed and we're in the play in. But because of so much money had come in since, you know, they won the title last year, they've just had a bunch of money. So the books have no need to move the market because it's a one way betting market, right? You can only bet the Lakers to win the title. Now, circa out here and some other books do have the yes nos, but for the most part, it's a one way betting market, but. When you get so they they incorporate liability into the series price, and so the Lakers open minus three dollars because part of the liability. It's hard to have a minus $1.50 first round favorite in a series when they're two dollars, two dollars to yes. win the West, right? They win three yes. series. It like doesn't make sense from a math standpoint, and even the Nets are skewed a little bit as well because of all the liability. Uh, but at least they're minus thirteen hundred or whatever in the first round. So that's what's funny about the Lakers is that they're the seven seed. They're only slight favorites in the first round, but they're two to one to win the West, which is two more series. And obviously, they're going to be, figure, you would think, underdogs, at least in the conference finals if they get there, if they play the Clippers or whatever. So, yes, it is just kind of funny. But, yeah, I mean, based on the plan, like, and LeBron, I mean, look, it's open with LeBron and AD injuries. Obviously, the Jazz are a little banged up, but it's opened up for them. We'll see about the Suns as well. And we know about yep. Jamal Murray. But how do you see this Lakers' sun? I like the Suns a lot on Sunday's game one. Like, I like minus three. LeBron historically has always kind of come out slow, almost like a boxer taking some punches in the first few rounds. Last year, they lost game one in both Denver and Houston's series. Excuse me, not Denver. Yep. Excuse me, Portland and Houston yep. series, their first two series. Uh, so I just like the minus three. I think Chris Paul's going to be in, like, game seven mode from the start, and I just like the Suns, and we'll see what the Lakers do off that. But I, LeBron looks like he's uh, he's almost on one leg kind of thing, even though he did do a trip, post a triple double.
1: Well, listen. That's the that's the story of the entire playoffs. Maybe right. What version of LeBron James is able to show up, uh, especially for this first round series? You know, if the Lakers can continue to win and LeBron can get healthier as it goes along, it's it's weird. You, I think I like their chances better if they continue to get out of series. Right. Um, but I, I I coming out of that game Wednesday night, I would be concerned if I was a Laker fan. I mean, LeBron did not look very good, to your point. Yes, he made all the plays down the stretch, and, and look, the, the Warriors, but, but that being said, the Warriors threw that game away. They were up double digits in the third quarter, and just had a bunch of mindless, careless turnovers, and allowed the Lakers back into the game, and gave them a chance to pull it out at the end. And if you give LeBron a chance, especially when you have them down, more often than not, we've seen over the course of his you know incredible career, he's going to take advantage of it. And he did it in that game. That being said, the Lakers defense, already one of the best in the league, if not the best, was basically a one-on-five situation, right? They could throw everybody at Steph Curry, and no offense to Andrew Wiggins, who had a nice game. And you know, Draymond is obviously still an incredible passer, but that was Steph against the Lakers. And he every shot he had to make and take was of insane difficulty level. And it's gonna be a hell of a lot harder to guard the Suns. Right, you got Chris Paul. You've got Devin Booker. DeAndre Ayton is a factor offensively, in particular, for them. Mikhail Bridges is a really good shooter. Jay Crowder is a guy who's a veteran playoff guy. Um, they have a lot of guys to throw at LeBron. Bridges and Crowder are two of the best wing, you know, wing defenders in the league to throw at LeBron. Crowder because of his physicality and size and experience playing him, and Bridges is just one of the best young wing defenders in the league. He's a terrific player that people probably aren't aware of. If you're if you're just an NBA fan kind of looking to get into things in the playoffs, watch Mikael Bridges play. He is really, really good. Um, but th- but yeah, this Suns team is really good, and if the Lakers play like they did against uh, you know, a Warriors team that's played a lot better lately, but it's still clearly not the same caliber team that it's been in the past, especially with Kent Bazemore in the lineup in place of uh, Clay Thompson. You know, it was pretty notable, the number of mistakes he made in that game, the other all- wide-open shots he missed. Um, they would look a lot different if they had Clay, obviously, but Um, but yeah, look, I think there's going to be a real challenge for the Lakers in the first round. And if they, if LeBron doesn't physically look better than he did in that game, I think it's going to be really tough for them. And, and, you know, but that's the thing. It's impossible to know, uh, what version of LeBron shows up. And I think, you know, it was especially big, I think for the Lakers to win that game because it gets three extra days off and and even more than the opponent, if they had had to play tonight against Memphis, even if they won the game, and then turn around and play in Utah, you know, 40 hours later or 48 hours later, that would have been a hell of a turnaround, right? To get three full days off, a flight to Phoenix, that's a, you know, 20-minute flight from LA. Um, You know, I I think from that standpoint, certainly if you're hoping, if you're a Laker fan, hoping LeBron is healthy to start this series, I I think getting that extra couple days and getting having a short flight to Phoenix and being ready to go, I, I think this was obviously the better case scenario for them and you know it's going to be awfully interesting Sunday afternoon on ABC to see what he looks like
0: you know you raise a lot of good points but you're right Mark Jackson I believe even said it during the broadcast Steph had the ball and they were up 12 and then sloppy pass turnover and then I think Matthews three to make it nine Mark yep. Jackson said if the that Lakers was, win this that game that was the
1: play of the game Mark was you're gonna remember right.
0: this t- sequence right a
1: hundred, he was 100 percent right they, they they miss a shot Steph you know God bless Steph it's always been his Achilles heel he just You know, everybody remembers that game seven behind the back pass, right? Somebody in the stands. Like, he's just, it's part of what makes him such an incredible player because he does things that no one would ever think to do. But there's a downside to that, which is he tries things that nobody would think to do. And he, you know, he messed around with the ball a little bit, turned it over in that West Matthews three. That was a killer swing because they had a chance to really put the dagger in. That was after the Lakers got back into it after some bad turnovers. So, yeah, I mean, the ultimate point is that the Lakers just have to be much better if they want to beat this Phoenix team, which by the way, remember 150 games, like they're really, really good. This and is they are really, really team. good
0: when at full strength too. like when they have one guy out like Cam Johnson, who you probably, some people don't even know who he is, but he's a, he's an excellent shooter and he's so key. I mean, Monty Williams said he's like the key. He's like their barometer, if you will, when he's on, like yes. they're great. And, but, and you get like well, look, more every, Frank every in without, you know,
1: yeah one guy out is, is bad. Every team in the league is trying to find wing shooting, right? Guys who can play either forward spot and shoot the ball. And when they have Cam Johnson and they can play Cam, Jay Crowder, and Mikael Bridges at the three and four spots, they're awfully good. And like you said, if they start to subtract from that, that's when they take a bit of a step back.
0: Yeah, and and Bridges, what is he lead the NBA in short corner three or corner three shooting percentage? Right. Yep, he's and he's a fantastic defender.
1: I mean, again, he's three D.
0: Totally, him and Crowder, multiple,
1: multiple, multiple bodies throw at LeBron. I mean, they're. They're a really tricky matchup uh, for the Lakers, who also, by the way, you know, I like Chris Paul to win the Dennis Schroeder matchup, and they don't have a good defender for Devin Booker either. No. Um, you know, Wes Matthews got dusted off in that Warriors game. It was, frankly, huge down the stretch. Oh. Um, he really he really changed the game. Him and, and, and look, Dennis Schroeder also got benched in that game for Alex Caruso. I mean, those two guys, more than the stars, won that game for the Lakers. I mean, yes, LeBron hit the, the amazing shot and he made a bunch of plays down the stretch, but they were in that game because of Alex Caruso and Wes Matthews. And, you know, they're going to need both of those guys to do a lot of work. I think on Devin Booker and to some extent, Chris Paul, if Dennis Schroeder can't get it done um, to win this series. So it, it, it is a really compelling series. And, and look, it's hard to bet against LeBron. There's a reason the Lakers are favored. He's done this a million times. And most of the Suns. this is their first rodeo. And it, it tends to be, you have to learn to win in the playoffs. And this is a, not exactly a fair result for a Suns team that had an incredible regular season, but you know, they're going to give the Lakers a lot and and it's going to be fascinating to see how this thing
0: shapes out. Yeah. Just one thing I wanted to mention. I think there's always an integration period when a superstar returns to the lineup. Now when it's like Kuzma back in the lineup, it's fine. But with LeBron, all those role players kind of have to like readjust to playing alongside him. Right. Like they were fine with, with AD, right. They went into Portland, had an impressive performance loss, but like, Then they beat, uh, who was it, Phoenix, I think, at home on that Sunday. Uh, Yeah, beat Phoenix, beat Denver. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but now they're kind of like relearning how to play alongside LeBron. Now they have one game under their belt. Now, obviously, the ceiling is higher for the Lakers with LeBron than without, but there's a little bit of an adjustment period, and I think we saw that against the Warriors. I think we're going to see it a little bit more, and it's going to take some time to kind of get back to when he's such a focal point of the offense. So that's why I like the Suns in game one minus three. Uh, I don't think they're going to be messing around, but, like you said, LeBron's done it. He's never lost a first-round series, but he's also never been this age off this kind of an injury. So we shall see how it plays out. I want to to the Clippers because, obviously, it's a fascinating matchup with the Mavs, what happened last year. Luka had to step back to even the series at 2-2. That was in the bubble and a neutral. But I think this Clippers team, if they don't at least get to the conference finals for the first time in franchise history, I don't know when they are because everything is sort of opening up for them with all the injuries to the other teams in the West. Clippers have had some injuries themselves, but they've weathered the storm. They have the personnel. They have the right guys. They have like Luke Kennard who doesn't miss off the bench. They are loaded. They have to prevail.
1: Well, listen, they better prevail after that, after that performance in Oklahoma city on Sunday. I mean, that was, that was, that was one of the more embarrassing things I've seen in the NBA. I mean, you know, that if I'm the Lakers and I watch that game, you can't help but think you're up one in a serious with the Clippers. I mean, that was just straight, we don't want to play the Lakers to the conference finals. Maybe somebody will beat them before that. And look, maybe that's the the optimal strategy from a like a, a betting odds standpoint, right? Like, hey, our best chance is to hope the Lakers aren't there or to not have to maybe play them at all, right? Maybe that's how we win. Maybe the Clippers will win. Maybe they'll win the title. They're incredibly talented. Kawhi Leonard, a couple years ago, was the best player on the planet, I think, after that run in Toronto. He's phenomenal. Paul George has been phenomenal. Ty Lewis has won a championship. He's a really good coach. They're deep. They're talented. But I just didn't like the message that sends that game. When you have Daniel Turo go five for twenty-one and get blocked eight times and you're running, you know, punch fist for him 15 times in the fourth quarter against, you know, probably the worst team in the league, uh, even though Absolutely. they weren't the worst record team. Uh well, I mean, they didn't end up with the worst record. I'm just saying, like yeah. they are that's that that team, that Thunder team is not good. No, and, uh, no, it's not. <laughs> and and to 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 play that way, to to get out of the Three seed to avoid the Lakers, like, they better win now. I mean, this is already a team that, you know, Paul George has, you know, taken some flack for comments he's made in the past, and obviously they've collapsed multiple times in the second round. They haven't made the conference finals, right? There's all, all, the, all the Clippers, same old Clippers baggage, right? Even with different players. It's all sitting there. So, to your point, they better get there. They better, they better win this series against Dallas. They better beat uh, I, I think Utah will handle even the Warriors in the first round. So, I mean, they better beat Utah. They better get to the conference finals because if they don't, if they lose to Utah, if they somehow lose to Dallas, if they if they don't make a deep playoff run this year, not only do you have Kawhi as a free agent, well, I think he'll stay. You never know what will happen there. Um, they're also going to have a lot of egg on their faces because that was such a blatant tank job on Sunday to set this up. It's the kind of thing that if you do that, you better come out on the other side being able to say you were right. Because if you're not, there's going to be a lot of mockery coming their way for how that played out.
0: So what chance would you give the Mavericks of winning the series?
1: Not much, frankly. Um, you know, obviously look at that shot last year and, and Chris Epps maybe uh, doesn't get ejected in game one, it's a different series. But I think this Clippers team is markedly better than them. And especially too. if Serge Ibaka's back is okay, I think they're a better team than last year. You know, I, I think Kawhi and PG have been better this year than last year. I think Surge is much better than Montrezl Harrell. I think some of the issues that that team had last year in terms of being wedded to some of the old guard and some of the the uh, lack of flexibility they had um, from a from a uh, rotational standpoint are gone, which I think will help them. Um, so I think they should win this series and win it fairly handily. Also, Dallas just isn't as good as they were last year. I mean, Dallas had an incredible offense last year. Swapping out Steph Curry or Seth Curry for Josh Richardson has uh, caused them to take a step back at that end. Um, you know, Tim Hardaway's been really good, but Porzingis has been banged up and not as effective this year. Um, you know, so uh, put all that stuff together, and I don't think Dallas is going to get swept. But I also don't think it'd be a great sign for the Clippers' chances of winning a title this year if this is a really long competitive series, given you know the the level of the two teams this season.
0: Yeah, I really like Dallas and all the complimentary pieces. I just don't think there's enough firepower alongside Luka to get there with this Clippers. I really like this Clippers team. Obviously, they shot the lights out during the regular season. Minus 420 feels about the right price, but yeah. I think you could almost I would probably lay the one and a half games and say the Clippers have to win in four five or six. I, I think it's going to be that's the best way to go about these things. I think when you have these big favorites now, Switching to the Eastern Conference, I actually did lay the twelve dollars with the Nets. I just think this line should be like minus three thousand. I don't think the Celtics have a chance, especially with no Jalen Brown.
1: I would, I would agree with that. <laughs> I, I'd be, I'd be stunned. I'd be stunned if this series is is competitive and long.
0: Yeah, I mean, barring, so you can lay barring, two and a half barring games barring injury, barring right, injury. Right. But even so, like Harden in like you know Rockets mode, if he's if he's just if he's the only one of the big three, like he's amazing. So uh, look, I laid two and a half. Well, games, look, minus look, I mean, you say that,
1: you do say that, but but I have seen James Harden have some all time epic choke jobs in the playoffs in person. Correct. Like uh, like Game Six in twenty seventeen, the single strangest game I've ever covered uh, in the Western Conference Semis, when everybody in the building, including the Spurs, were convinced the Rockets were going to win and send the series back to San Antonio for Game Seven, when Kawhi Leonard first hurt his ankle before the you know infamous uh, Zaza Pachulia play in Game One of the West Finals, um, he didn't play in Game Six. Everybody's sure the Rockets are going to win. They were down $5 billion after the first quarter and lost by $10 billion. And I think James Harden had 10 points, and they lost by 45 in an elimination game at home. So, you know, we'll see. If it, if it has to be James Harden and Kyrie Irving, things could maybe get interesting uh, for the for the Nets. And look, again, it's hard. The only thing I feel confident about in these playoffs is that I'm not counting on the Nets being healthy. I want the Nets to be healthy because I don't want anyone to get hurt because like I said before, I think these playoffs are gonna be awesome. But if I'm if I'm a Nets better, that's my biggest concern is their health, right? That that is the number one thing that could derail them but even before you get into their defense and whatever other issues they might have. So um yeah, I mean outside of but outside of that happening, if you tell me the Nets are healthy in this series, it's not gonna be a long series. And it could be a very short series.
0: Yeah, they won all three regular season meetings. And covered all three. One, I think one was by nine. The other two were even bigger blowouts. Um, yeah, the
1: last game I think was the closest one, and there were guys out on both sides. I want to say Jalen might have missed that game too. I th- I think Durant didn't play, and I think Harden and Kyrie. I think Harden played at that point, but I'm not sure if Kyrie played. Uh, but yeah, neither team has been at full strength in any of the games. But I-, I think the one you, if you go back and look at Christmas Day, I know Kemba didn't play, and Kemba's kind of the barometer for how the Celtics go, but. The Celtics got their doors absolutely blown off in that game, and I just, I just don't think they can keep up with the with the
0: the Nets' firepower um, to make this very competitive. Yeah, do the Celtics? I don't think I say they don't win more than a game if they win one at all. Do you?
1: I, yeah, I think it's I. I think this is probably four or five. And, and look, I could certainly see, um, you know, Kyrie hasn't played here with fans. Like I said earlier, I could mm-hmm. see the crowd being really fired up for Game Three. And you know the the Celtics come in and and win a game. And look, also the Nets are capable of just kind of having an off game, too. Yeah, I mean they're a jump shooting team a lot of the time, right? They could just miss some shots. Um, you know, I, I could I could see the Nets or the Celtics getting a game. I would be really surprised if it's more than that. I, I think something pretty crazy would have to happen for this to become a really competitive series. Again, just based off what we've seen from Boston all year, they're not of the same. Uh, talent level as, as as Brooklyn, particularly, like you said, without Jalen Brown. I mean, he's been awesome for them this year, and that's a really big blow.
0: Yeah, it's too bad, because I really liked the addition of Fournier, but then Brown gets hurt. It's, it's too bad for Boston. Obviously, we'll see what they can muster, but they've been so inconsistent. It just comes down to this, the volume of possessions in a game, and you're going to have guys like the big three in Brooklyn or, Shamit or 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 Harris shooting versus like Grant Williams getting a three or Marcus Smart getting a three. Just like over yeah. the course of the four quarters, like it's going to win out. That the Nets are just going to be too much. And I, I agree. I, I like I said, I laid the $12, but I also took minus two and a half games, minus 120. So
1: on yeah. this and the Celtics, too, like to your point at the very beginning about the Knicks, the Celtics are sort of the inverse of that. And, and if they did have Jalen Brown and they could basically just play their top seven guys, like you could make an argument, they have a chance to be much better in the playoffs because yeah, their top six or seven guys are really good. Um, but again. Like it's a pretty important thing when you say, well, one of their top six or seven guys is not available. Um, all of a sudden, you know, even if you are just only playing, you know, Romeo Langford or Aaron Niesmith, fifteen minutes, you're still playing one of them fifteen minutes as opposed to playing Jalen Brown forty minutes, right? I mean, that's just a, it's just a massive difference. That again, if they were fully healthy, you could maybe convince me they could push this and make it interesting given the matchups they have, and they are at least somewhat equipped to guard the Nets better than most teams. Um, but yeah, I, I think without Jalen, this this should be pretty short.
0: I agree. Let's wrap it up with what could be maybe the best first round series, if recent history is any indication. The Heat finally at full strength, and they have Bam Adebayo, who does pose a lot of problems defensively for Giannis. Yep. And so the Bucks are only three twenty favorites. I feel like it's a little high, but I don't want to grab the plus two sixty just yet. I'm fascinated by this matchup. I think Spolster is very underrated, even what happened, taking the team to the finals again last year. I love, I just as a fan, I am so excited to watch this because I do think people are dismissing the Bucks based on recent years. Like I say this all the time. Just because something hasn't happened doesn't mean it can't. Virginia is the best example. Everyone said, especially after they lost to a 16 seed, yep. can't win with that offense, can't win with, it. well, you yeah. know what, the next year they won it all. I always said D'Antoni could get over the hump, and they kind of should have. Either the Suns, maybe the Rockets were right there, facing an all-time great team in the Warriors, but they were up three games or two. So just because the Bucks have not doesn't mean they can't. Obviously, they didn't get the one seed, so it doesn't play out perfectly, but let's not dismiss Milwaukee because of a guy who's no longer on the team. Like That's really what's happening. Bledsoe was a huge kind of inhibitor for them. And then obviously the Giannis injury last year, but Drew Holiday's is a giant upgrade. I like what they did with the bench with Forbes and Portis. I, I I just love this Bucks team, but I also love the Heat at full strength.
1: Yeah, I, I like Milwaukee to win this series, and, and I agree with your your general point about Milwaukee heading into this series. I think that people are, I think that people are very focused on what happened in the past, with them, and uh, it will not surprise me at all if the Bucks win the title this year. I think right. they're incredibly talented. And I go back. I know James Harden didn't play. I go back to the game that the Nets and Bucks played a couple weeks ago on Sunday afternoon on our network. When uh, Giannis got double teamed driving down a lane, with 90 seconds to go, he kicks it out to the wing, and who catches it? Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday gets a wide open three. It's nothing but net. Eric Bledsoe would have airballed that shot, and he he was an absolute <laughs> disaster. Been in the in game. The he got
0: benched in the playoffs. Well, two he, years ago.
1: He, listen. He he would have been in the game probably, but he would have he would have missed. I mean, he, he just would have missed. He, he was a disaster for them, particularly offensively, down the stretch, repeatedly in the playoffs. And, I mean, Eric is a really good defensive player. He's had a nice career, but he's not Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday's one of the best two-way guards in the league. And that's a massive upgrade. And again, when you talk about teams being able to play at their highest level in the playoffs and have an elite talent, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, and Giannis is an elite trio of talent that could go up against any team in the league and hold its own. And, look... I agree with you about Eric Spolstra. I think he's either the best or one of the top three coaches in the league for me. Um, He's proven it time and again. They have a deep, versatile team. That being said, a lot of things went Miami's way in that series that I don't think are going to happen again. Gordon Gordon Dragic last year looked like Phoenix Gordon Dragic again. He has Mm -hmm. not been nearly that player this year. Uh, Miami was one of several teams, including the Lakers, by the way, who took uh, great advantage of the shooting background in the bubble and shot the absolute lights out. Jay Crowder shot 9 billion percent against uh, Milwaukee. He really, I mean, I think he literally shot 60 percent or 55 percent from three in that series. Um, You know, Tyler Hero was playing like an all star. Right. The support. Jimmy Butler might have been the best player in the playoffs last year. But those guys, those supporting guys were absolutely massive in that series. And I just think with Milwaukee having home court, with fans being in the building, with their team really locked in in a good place, I think being more talented this year, Adding PJ Tucker and Drew Holiday. Again, going away from having the Spurs model with Mike long longtime Greg Popovich assistant, of having 10 players saying, hey, we've got seven or eight really good players. We're going to do that instead in the playoffs. I think that will benefit them. Um, I just I think Milwaukee is the better team. And while I think Miami's really, really good, and I think they're one of the top four teams in the East, uh, better than Atlanta and New York, and I think will give Milwaukee trouble. In the first round, I really like the fact that Milwaukee was not afraid of this matchup as a team that needs to exercise and demons. They could have basically done what the what the Clippers did and lost to Miami in Miami last Saturday and guaranteed they wouldn't play them. And they decided to just play it out and won the game and you know set themselves up with a tougher first round matchup. But I think, again, for a team that needs to be in a different headspace going into the playoffs and needs to feel confident, I like that they took on the matchup. I think they're going to win the series, and I think they've got a chance to do
0: a lot of damage in the playoffs. Well said. So you said you wouldn't be surprised if the Bucks win the title. If you just forget the odds for now, who would you pick? Who do you have coming out of each conference?
1: I really don't know. I generally have a yeah. I don't sense blame it, you. I and don't blame and you. I, I honestly don't like. I'm not like our our buddy Windhorst, who doesn't like to make predictions. I'm very happy to make predictions generally, but this year I really don't. Have a good feel for it. It uh, might be the
0: most wide open it's been, and I don't know. It's definitely the most wide open decades. I mean, even if even if
1: say the Lakers go on to win the title this season, there's seven teams that can legitimately win the title. Which in the NBA is not something we ever say. Generally, it's two to three teams who really can win, and then there's you know a couple others that can maybe make the conference finals or maybe if one conference is down, they squeak in the finals or whatever. But it's not you're not going to the playoffs thinking I can make a case that six or seven teams could win. But I. I think Milwaukee could win. I think Brooklyn could win. I think Philly could win. I think Phoenix, Utah, and both LA teams. All you can make a credible case. All seven of those teams can win the title. And, and again, if, if Jamal Murray was healthy, it'd be eight. I mean, you have a team that loses in the first round in the West, who I think could win the title if he was healthy. So I, I mean, look, I think I have sort of always liked Milwaukee all year. I have a lot of a lot of hesitation about Mike Budenholzer. I criticized him a bunch in the past. he's not been a very good He's not been a very good playoff coach. But again, I just, Drew Holiday is such a massive upgrade on Eric Bledsoe. And getting P.J. Tucker, who has looked good, and gives them the ability to play small effectively in a way they have not been able to in the past, I think it gives them a real shot. Um, Philly obviously has a much easier road. I have questions about Philly's offense against Milwaukee and in Brooklyn. Can they score enough to win those series, despite the fact that, you know, Joel Embiid might be the best player on the court um, in both of them. Brooklyn, obviously, who knows what their health is going to be? Who knows how good their defense is going to be? You know, the Nets are either going to completely break the mold and and, and break all precedent before them and become the first team ever to win a title that didn't even bother to play defense, um, or that's going to catch up to them. I don't honestly know which way it's going to go. And again, like we've talked about, this whole pod in the West, right? The, who knows what the Lakers are going to look like? They've been all over the place. Can the Clippers finally get over the hump? And then you've got Utah and Phoenix, who are both really good ensemble casts, but those teams generally don't win in the playoffs when you don't have that guaranteed top five or six guy on your team. So you can kind of poke holes in all seven of these teams and you can make a strong case for all of them. So yeah, I, I don't mean to pull a wind horse, but I really, <laughs> at this point, I really don't have a good feel for it. And I you, know, if I, I, you know, I, I, let me put it this way. If I could take any bet against the field, I'd take the field. Like if it's Lakers right. or the field or Nets or the field in both conferences, I'll take the field and I'll, I'll take my chances. Right. Like I, I don't, and it may be Lakers nets and the Lakers may win it. Like it could very well go chalk like it generally does. But I think there's enough uncertainty that I would much rather have the longer, you know, the, the longer, greater chance of, you know, yeah, multiple it's better options and lock in the the house. Yes. <laughs> yes. No, I, A lot so of I of in have, the NBA, it's, it's not. To your point, right. like a lot of years, it's not. You if generally, you know, you pick you if if you go in with the most talented team, more often than not, they're gonna win. Or it's you know, one of a couple teams. But this, yeah, this year it's it's totally wide open.
0: It really is. Yeah, I bet the Sixers three to one to win the East. Obviously, having the one seed, you only have to play one of the Nets or Well in well, this and this really broke finals. Well.
1: Yeah, this really broke well for them, right? Not having to play Miami in the second round. You know, I mean, imagine Jimmy Butler against Philly in Philly in the second round. That would have been fascinating, right? Um, but now they're either going to get the Knicks or a Hawks team that has never been in the playoffs, right? Like that's a that's a dream scenario for them, and they should they should frankly cruise to the conference finals. And that might yeah. be the difference, right? And they it, may walk in completely healthy and rested, and you know, the Nets and Bucks. That might be the single most compelling series in the whole playoffs that happens from a basketball standpoint and whoever comes out of that is probably going to be pretty banged around and bloodied and bruised. And, you know, Philly might win because of that.
0: And they don't have to, um, you know, they're getting dismissed a little bit for past years. I mean, look, it's a different regime, right? It's yes. a different coaching staff. I mean, it's completely it's a lot different, like
1: Milwaukee, totally, right? It's sort of totally. the same, it's sort of the same thing where people, people are kind of putting past performance and, and, and predicting it out to be uh, the future outcome. And if you go look like, You know, we didn't know, everybody wasn't sure Golden State was going to win until they won. And everybody wasn't sure that Dallas was going to win until they won in 2011, right? Like, you go back through and, like, you have to, Toronto was the same way. I know they had Kawhi Leonard, but still, everybody was ready for the other shoe to drop with that team until they won. Like, you, at some point, you have to break through. And, you know, again, maybe Kevin Durant will lead the Nets to the title. Maybe LeBron James will lead the Lakers to the title. Or maybe one of these other teams will see somebody break through. And 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 that's, like, this is not the normal course of events in the NBA. It's part of why I really am so excited, because generally you go in the playoffs and it's going to be option A or option B or maybe option C if somebody gets hurt. And, and this year it's the polar opposite of that.
0: I'm sitting already with a 12-1 to ticket on Utah on 6 plus 650 to win the West. I, I like them a lot. I, I think people are forgetting how good they are with Donovan Mitchell and Conley. And I read a stat, I forget who tweeted it, but basically Conley, like, not playing in back-to-backs is, like, outstanding, like, net rating. Like, and obviously there's no back-to-back yes. in the playoffs. Yes, they're
1: awesome. They're awesome. They're awesome. Like they're, that's the thing. They're, they're awesome. Phoenix, But I also yes. like the
0: Clippers, too. I mean, that's the thing. I think the winner of that series prevails in the West, if they assume they both play each other in the second round. I, I just yes. really like this Utah team with the volume of threes. I said it, like, in December. Oh, maybe not. Maybe January. I said, this team reminds me of the Warriors that first year. Chucking threes, yes. top five, both offensive and defensive efficiency—they're great. Now, other teams have also sort of started to shine, like the Clips and the Suns prevailed. But in a fairly wide open West with the injuries, I do like the one seed. But well, by no and means well again, is that if you no, easy.
1: and look, if you if you like a team like that and they've got long odds, I'd much rather take a swing on a team like that with long odds than betting one of the really high favorites. Right. Because right. if they're all about the same, you might as well take a swing on a team that could still win. that gives you a much better chance at a, a big number at the end of the day. Right. And, and yeah, I think Utah's really good. And again, they're another team that their past playoff performances are kind of leading people in a certain direction. But the reason this team, I think, is much different is you go back to when they played Utah in the playoffs or they played Houston in the playoffs. And you go back over the past few years and those were defense first teams that couldn't score enough in the playoffs. And because they have the best defensive player on the planet, in Rudy Gobert, the Jazz have completely retooled the rest of their team to be offense first outside of him and to and, and Royce O'Neal, who's a really good wing defender. Um, but that team is built around Rudy Gobert's ability to be a good defense by himself. And that's allowed them to have this team that's now nuclear on offense and can still guard people. And, you know, like you said, the numbers all back them up as a legitimately great team. And, you know, I understand why people are doubting them. I know they don't have the elite high-end talent, but, you know, with Ben Wallace going on the Hall of Fame this weekend, the team they've reminded me of is not the Warriors, it's the Pistons from the mid-2000s in that they don't necessarily have that top five player, but they have a collection of six or seven guys that are in the top 60 to 70 in the league. And there's a reason that Pistons team is sort of the one anomalous team that's won a title without having that, guaranteed guy in the past generation or more. And I think Utah has a chance to, um, to be that sort of a team, because again, if you're not going to have a top five player or a borderline top five player, you better have five or six top 50 players and they do. And so I
0: do think they have a real shot and it won't surprise me at all. If that bad ones. Interesting. Uh, That's a good comparison. I like that. I like that a lot. All right, my man, it was a lot of fun and a lot of good information there, and hopefully our, our listeners appreciate the insight, and there's some shelf life to this too. It even goes past the weekend because they'll just be game ones will have been played. But thank you very much, my friend, and uh, appreciate it. I know you're really busy. Best of luck with your coverage this weekend as well.
1: I appreciate you, Doug. Thanks for having me, and uh, best of luck to everybody in the playoffs.
0: Hopefully it'll be a lot of fun. Sounds to me like you guys a couple of bookies. All right, that's going to do it for this podcast. Thanks to Tim Bontemps. Always a wealth of information and insight. Uh, yeah, I'm with him. It's wide open, and it should be a compelling postseason, and obviously a lot of opportunities between games. We'll be discussing those. We do have a Daily Wager podcast. Just a reminder, every weekday, post around noon Eastern or so, and then the Daily Wager television show next week, Monday through Thursday, 6 Eastern on ESPN2. And then no Friday show. So we have the Daily Wager pod, the Daily Wager TV show. I'll have another Behind the Bets next week as well. Enjoy the postseason. Should be a fun first round. And then obviously next uh, subsequent rounds as well. So thanks to everyone. Good luck this weekend.